in John, and we're in John chapter 20. <clears throat> We've um, missed a few weeks, which really left me a little bit flummoxed because I wasn't sure whether to, um, to do the ones that we were missing or to carry on for the week that, um, that I was uh, allocated for, which is John chapter 20, because we've missed the whole of the crucifixion, which obviously is a very big, important part of the story of Jesus. And when we started to do this series, what, my, what I had in my heart was that what God wanted us to do was to see Jesus, to get to know who he is, to, to really get to understand exactly what he did for us and, and why we want to worship him, to understand more about who he is in our lives. And um, I think probably those of us who have had to study and prepare have probably got more out of this study, I don't know, than those of you that have had to listen. Because as I've read John, as I've meditated upon things that he said, as I read things about the scriptures and, and everything, my vision of Jesus over these last few months has expanded to understand just a bit more about his glory. And John is such a deep, deep book. And all the way through it, you, you can see references to the Old Testament, and he's talking about Israel's Messiah and how he came to do something not just for Israel, but for us as well. So we're going to start in John 20, and we're going to read the story of the resurrection. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as, it, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had laid, lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, that I may take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. 
She turns and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to your brothers and say to them, I am ascending to your Father and to your God, to my God and to your, your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. Now, if you remember the story before this, we saw how Jesus had stood before Pilate, and Pilate had tried to set him free, but they, the, the Jewish people, they, the, the, the leaders of the Jews, they wanted him to be crucified, and he was crucified. And by the cross, by that time, all of his disciples had run away, except for one, and that was the disciple who, who Jesus loved, who we assume is John. And and a few women, including Jesus' mother and his aunt and another Mary. All the others are gone. They haven't seen a Mary Magdalene as well, of course. All the others are gone. They haven't seen the full um, gory details of the crucifixion. They hadn't been there for that, but Mary had. And so had John. It seems strange that John was, was there, and one of the reasons may be that John was there and the others felt they needed to hide was he may have been, he was a younger man and the Jewish authorities wouldn't have considered him to have been particularly um, uh, of too much concern to them. And that may have been one of the reasons that John was there, but Mary, Mary Magdalene, she saw what happened to Jesus and she was there early in the morning to see to go and do what was, was, was right for him. And can you imagine how she must have felt as she walked to the tomb? She has seen this man who set her free from demons, we're told in other Gospels, who had changed her life around, this man who she had followed alongside the other disciples for the, possibly a good part of the last three years, and how she was feeling, how in fact they were all feeling. It would have seemed on that Friday that their, all their dreams and their hopes are completely gone. They were shattered. They'd heard him talk about rising again, but no one had understood it. And we hear from here that um, John and that they didn't understand that he was going to rise again. And so that she is, and she sees, and she runs, and she gets John, and she gets Peter to come. And then we have this lovely bit. The men, they go back home. We don't know why. Perhaps they were going to go back and try to find out where, where Jesus had been taken. Perhaps they were going to ask around. But Mary doesn't. She stays there and she weeps. She's inconsolable. And in her weeping, she bends down and she looks in and she sees two angels. One sitting at the feet and one sitting at the head of where Jesus laid. And there may be a symbol in this in that the mercy seat in the temple had two angels, one on each end. And maybe there's a symbol that John wants us to see here. But it was seen that in her grief she didn't even realise these were angels because usually when people see angels they're, they're either struck with awe or, or, or something. But it was almost as if she didn't even see through her, her tears that these were two angels. And then... In fact, John said, it was something John said in one of his prayers about him, God, uh, Jesus being the gardener. And that's exactly what she thinks here. She turns around and she sees Jesus and she thinks he's the gardener. 
Now, if you remember the Genesis story, and you've got to think that John is using Genesis right from the beginning, from when he talks about the word becoming flesh and about him being at the beginning, all things made through him and all the rest. John perhaps wants us to even see this, that Adam was made to be the gardener, to tend the, to tend the, um, the, the garden that God had made. And now we have the resurrection of the new Adam. And he is a gardener in some ways, but he's a gardener of our souls. And I love this. He just knew, she just needed to hear one word, Mary. And that was enough for her. She didn't need to hear anything else. At that time, she still wasn't sure who he was, but when she heard her name, Mary, that was enough. And, I, and often, sometimes this is translated as if he's saying, well, don't touch me, don't touch me. But I wonder whether she already, was already clinging to him. I know that if it was someone that I had lost and they were there, I would be clinging to them. I wouldn't be holding back. And he was saying, don't cling to me. And I don't think it's like, um, it's, if you read some um, commentaries, they suggest it's because Jesus hadn't yet, he was still only very newly um, resurrected. And perhaps if she touched him, he would be more like a phantom and he should get the wrong idea. But I tend to agree with what Tom Wright thinks, because um, he says that later on, um, Jesus tells Thomas to come and touch his hand and his side. So I don't think it was that. It was, he didn't want her to cling to him because he was going to go to be with the Father. She wouldn't see him in the same way as she saw him before. She would see him in a different ways. He would be with her, but not in the same way. So, but I, I can imagine in Jesus' eyes a smile when he said that word, Mary. I can imagine in Jesus' eyes, eyes filled with love for this woman who he, who he had delivered and who he had now saved. And then we have these words that he says. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am sending, ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus often talked about the Father and his Father, but he's now talking about your Father. He's called them friends, and he's called them servants, but now he calls them brothers. He has now become our brother. Something that happened on that cross has changed the situation so that no longer are we estranged from God, but we have an intimate relationship with him which would have been impossible without that death. And we're now called brothers. And the religions of, of the world, there is no religion like Christianity where we have an intimacy with God like we have. That we are brought into a relationship that is so close. So often we think of Christmas as being, or it seems to the world that Christmas is the most important day in the Christian cal calendar, but the most important day on the Christian calendar is Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. Because we're not just looking forward to, we've been talking about um, Judith, now Judith is in heaven now with, with the Lord in glory, but that isn't the ultimate end. The ultimate thing that we're looking forward to is the resurrection of the dead. And Jesus was the first to raise from the dead. And although when we die we'll go to be with Jesus, there will come a day when we will come to, when he will raise us with new physical bodies and we will live on earth, a new earth that's been completely changed. 
So resurrection is the thing that sets Christianity apart from so many other things. We believe that we will be bodily resurrected just as Jesus was. In verse 19 it says, On the evening that, that day, the first day of the week, again, we see here John emphasizes this is the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Then he said, when he said this to them, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The Lord said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his, into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I was saying to John, I came in this morning, I spent hours and hours poring over this this morning, I mean, over the week, and um, I, I couldn't write anything down, I haven't got any notes, and I didn't really know where God was taking me at all, and, I, and I'm still not really sure, but I feel sometimes we just need to hear what God says in his word, just to listen and hear what he says to us directly from his word. And I hope that something has, has stirred in your heart as you've been listening to this. If you are in a place where you're weeping, where you feel that everything is lost, it's interesting how often when God comes or when Jesus comes, he comes from behind. There's, isn't there a scripture somewhere in, 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 um, in Isaiah about you will hear me from behind? Um, saying go this way or go that way. Um, and in, uh, in Revelations, when uh, John sees, has his vision, Jesus is standing behind and he turns around. Sometimes we're so busy looking in front and through our tears that we can't actually see Jesus because we're looking at the problem and he's standing behind. And if we look behind and just see that he's actually there, even though we haven't seen him, he's there. And we listen for our name to be called we know that he's there in his power for us. So that was a really messy sermon. I'm, afraid, I'm sorry about that. But hopefully 
hopefully someone got something out of it. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you are risen from the dead. We thank you that the sacrifice you made upon that cross was for us, that paid the debt that we couldn't pay, that set us free from the powers of darkness, that we might live in light. We thank you, Lord, that you breathed upon us your spirit, that we might have that life within us, that we share in the life that you that you have in yourself. That resurrection life, Lord, that you now cause to flow through us. That eternal life doesn't begin when we die, but has begun the moment we believe. And we thank you, Lord, that in the darkness, when it seems that everything is lost, when all we can see is tears, when we look at our problem, there you are behind, say, go this way. And that when we reach out, you are there. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have brought us into such an intimate relationship with you. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to lay ourselves upon you more and to seek your face more and to look away from the things that are troubling us and to look to you, knowing that you've got it all in hand. And we thank you for the resurrection life that you've given us, that we might live in that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. When we were worshipping last week, I just felt God saying, and I don't really know how it applies, just that he wants more space. It may apply to our lives, it may apply to the way we, we do things here together, but that he wants more space. He wants to be the one who's the one that's ministering to us. He's our shepherd. And wants us sometimes just to get out of the way and let him do what he wants to do. And it's very significant, the Passover to us is significant because Jesus decided to die at the Passover. And for the Jews, the Passover was the time they were released from slavery, from the slavery to, to um, the Egyptians. And Jesus, as our Passover lamb, has released us from slavery to the powers of darkness. If, if only we saw it sometimes, and I think sometimes we forget what he has done. I think to look at Jesus' face, and I think reading something like John, and I'm not just rushing through, but reading the whole thing and just seeing what he's done for us, who we have been made because of what he's done. It's Isaiah, what does it say? Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ear will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Yeah. Shall we finish with a song? Unless anyone else has got anything they want to share. I mean... I don't know if I should share that, but it just reminded me, in, somewhere in Hurstmansoo, there's a, a sign that says, up the lane, down the lane, uh, that way, and to Romney. I don't know if you've ever come across it. But uh, I came across it. I, I, I went for a walk one day and I didn't know quite where I was going. I better not take time. Um, but uh, I was thinking, oh, is this the right way? Or, or, and then I thought, oh, a signpost. And then that's what it said, up the lane, down the lane, that way, and to Romney. Uh, but I carried on and I had a lovely walk. And then I met somebody who, who uh, I knew, who I shouldn't... Um, 
who wasn't normally supposed to be there, and she'd got a map, and she said, oh, yes, you're going the right way. So, it, sorry, it just reminded me. So, sorry about that. We'll get on with the song. 1495. Walk though, and there was lots of bluebells. One four nine five. One four nine five. Oh, the love of God is boundless, perfect, causeless, full and. Doubts have vanished, fears are groundless. Now I know that love to me, love the source of all my blessing, love that set itself on 